Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. morning. We're finishing up the book of Haggai, like Pastor Sonny said. And, uh, you know, we are noticing, uh, we're going to notice today in the scripture passage, and as we finish, there's only two chapters in the book of Haggai. God wants his people to return to him. Isn't that true? We all go astray. Our hearts sometimes get way off course, and he wants all of us to return to him. And he will go to any length to get our attention, to get our hearts back to him. So the book of Haggai is really an account of how God called his own people, who he chose, who he loved, who he's given grace to, grace upon grace, to rebuild the temple. That's very important. The temple of God, it was actually an amazing building, an amazing feat in the ancient world. Um, Some of the lists... Um, put it on one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Others are kind of just in the top ten, maybe. Anyway, it, it was up there. It was a, a really big deal. But the biggest deal is that God's presence dwelt in the temple. God's presence was where his chosen people came to worship him, to make sacrifice for their sin, to be able to come and connect with God. That was the place. You go to the temple to worship God. In 605 BC, the Babylonians came and wiped out the whole temple. They came and they took God's people. At this time, it was divided into two kingdoms. It was already split nation. You had the northern kingdom, Israel, and you had the southern kingdom, Judah. The northern kingdom had already been taken captive into Assyria, which is modern-day Syria. And now in 605, just a little less than 200 years later, you have the Babylonians coming and taking the southern kingdom now, Judah, which Jerusalem and the temple were in, taking them captive to Babylonia. We talked about that uh, with Daniel. And, you know, we're, we're seeing here God's temple being destroyed, which was unthinkable. You would never be able to think that God's this beautiful uh, feet at Solomon's temples is so glorious, and now it's totally destroyed. They were carried off and slaves in Babylon for 70 years until Persia conquered Babylon, and they were allowed to return back to their homeland. So... The people of God, they began to rebuild the temple, and they started off so great. Okay, we're going to you know, rebuild the foundation. We're going to rebuild the altar. In just a few years, they did that. Hallelujah. But then they started getting a little bit off course. They began turning their attention to the things that I think normal people would turn their attention to, things like their families, things like their jobs, they began to lose focus. They're doing things like everyday things like laundry. We have all these things. I take care of our kids. And we have to build the temple. And it started to get really hard for them. They lost focus on what God wanted them to do, which was to rebuild the temple. They were focusing more on our own lives. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. I know it does with my own life sometimes. So 16 years later, God raises up a prophet named Haggai. And Haggai calls God's people. He steers them back to rebuild the temple. Haggai, chapter 2, if you have your Bible, you can 
Uh, read along. If it, it'll be up on the screen for us, but we're going to start verse 15. Haggai chapter 2, verse 15. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the works of your hands with blight, mildew and hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought, there it is again, to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. See a theme there? Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. So everything God's people were doing was going wrong. Have you ever felt like this? Or no matter what you do, you don't seem to be gaining any traction. In fact, you seem to be going backwards. You know, you, we can think things like, hey, I'm coming to church. I'm trying to do all this stuff for you, God. And yet, my life seems to be a mess. In fact, it's getting worse, God. You know, I'm praying to become a more patient person, but I feel so angry all the time and more impatient, especially when I'm in traffic. What's wrong, God? This isn't working. I'm trying to save money. I'm trying to do everything right, but yet everything around me seems to be breaking down and I'm having to make these emergency purchases. What's the problem here, God? My dreams of my life aren't seem to be going the way that I thought they were. You know, when you're a little kid, when a little kid, you're, you're growing up, you have these dreams of what your life is going to be like and you think about it and then as you get older, you start to maybe give up on that dream kind of settle for something less, a little less or a lot less. What's wrong, God? Why didn't it work out? Why isn't it working out? So today I want to give you three pointers on how God wants us to build our lives in Him. Number one, you can write it in your notes, give careful thought. Remember that? Give careful thought to the foundation you build your life upon. Give careful thought to the foundation you build your life upon. So I just got back from Washington, D.C. and New York. And so it was great. I got to spend a week in Washington, D.C. I'd never been there before, and I was so excited. Pastor Sonny's from the D.C. area, and he would always be talking about it. And I love to hear um, just about our country's uh, history, and I was always wanting to go and yay. I got to be a chaperone for our oldest daughter Miley's uh, class trip. She is a ninth grader, so she went with her class, and I got to chaperone. And the kids were awesome. We had 20 kids with us, and they were actually super fun to be with, and I had a great time. And when we were there, got to see a bunch of really cool and important stuff, and we went to the Capitol building, right? Uh, we did so much every day. We were gone from like 9 in the morning or 8 in the morning to like 8 at night. It was crazy. And we went to um, Arlington National Cemetery. My daughter, Miley, got to be a wreath layer uh, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That was really cool. Um, it was really cold, too. <laughs> and we were there at the White House, and, you know, we saw Miley and I, uh, and we we got to pray for... Our president, we, wherever we went, we kind of stopped and prayed. And 
um, we stood there and there were some people out there protesting. You know, we don't like our president, this and that. There's other people out there, um, different groups and everything, and a lot of tourists like us. And we decided as a big group, we all broke up into little small groups and we prayed. And the Bible says, like we were doing today, I think it fits in just perfectly for today's message, to pray for our leaders. First Timothy 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving, thanksgiving, be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases our God, pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So, God wants us to pray for our leaders. He wants us to thank him for our leaders, that they would do well. And remember, all. All means all. Not some, not the ones you like, not the ones you voted for. Hopefully we all voted. But we, were, we want to be praying and thanking God for all of them. Why? Why does we want that? So that we can live quiet and peaceful lives. You know how awesome it is to be a nation that has peace, to have a quiet and peaceful society, to be able to have the freedom and liberty to worship God or not, even. It's awesome, right? There's so many societies over the course of history that don't have that. God wants that, yeah? And we want that. And why is that? So that people can worship him, people can come to know Jesus, have a relationship with God through Jesus, that we would be able to be a blessing to others around us, that we'd be able to see our families grow up and be, our children to become everything that God wants them to become. God is really happy about this. And so we have to pray for our leaders. When President Obama was in office, we pray for President Obama. When President Trump is in office, we pray for President Trump. Pray for your leaders, not just them. For all leaders and all levels of our society. If there's anybody in your life that is God has put in authority that affects you or not, that you would be able to say, okay, God, who, is, who have you put in authority in my life? You pray for them. It's not an easy thing to be a leader. Lift them up. Honor them. Thank God for them. Okay? Ask for God's help in that. So, we also continued on in our journey, journey around uh, Washington, D.C. We went to the National Archives where you can actually see the real Declaration of Independence, the real Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Has anybody been there before? Seen that? Yeah, we've had a bunch of people. Wasn't that cool? It's so cool. The only thing I had known about D.C. was like from the movie National Treasure with Nick Cage. <laughs> and it was totally different. All right, it was so, this is so much better actually. And I'm there, and they had to, wanted to leave, and I'm like just staring at these documents, the originals. Wow, that's really the Declaration of Independence? This is crazy. And so I, I can't even take pictures, otherwise, I would show you guys pictures. But, you know, for 250 years almost, it's pretty incredible. Our nation has used these founding documents to guide us. Has it worked out pretty well? Yeah, so many different um, countries, nations, they'll rise and they'll fall down. They don't have any stability, no foundation. 
So these guiding documents produced by our founding fathers, ultimately produced by the Lord, because the principles of the Bible are the basis for our founding documents, all of them. You know, they've made our country what some would call a shining city on a hill. Amen? A shining city on a hill for all of the world to see. So many different countries have adopted our principles of freedom and democracy and said, that's a great thing. We're going to use that. We're going to do that. And it's worked out really well for them. So, and their system of government. We continued on. We went to the Lincoln Memorial. That was the highlight of my trip for me. I was blown away by this. And we got to see President Abraham Lincoln up close and sit at his feet for a little while and try to hear the whispers of the past. What's Abraham Lincoln thinking? What's he looking out at? What's he observing there? How our country has turned out? What we're going through now? That was a highlight of my trip. You know, I was thinking about the horrors of the Civil War, how our country was almost split into two kingdoms just like Israel was. We almost had a North and South United States, or I guess it would be the divided states. You know, did you know that in the Civil War, almost half of all the people, men and women who died in all the wars in our country's history, died in that one war, Civil War? 620,000 people died, which was crazy because the population was smaller, right? It was amazing. 51,000 people alone died in the Battle of Gettysburg. Did you know that? 51 over a three-day period. So President Abraham Lincoln, he led our country through this tumultuous time in our history out of slavery. Amen to that. Calling us to remember our founding father's original mission. He would always hark back to the founding document, 1776 the Declaration of Independence. He would go back. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with a capital C, with certain unalienable rights. That means it comes from God. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We would probably be two separate countries right now. And we might not be a country at all. If not... For God using a man named President Abraham Lincoln, taking us back to the foundations of God that our nation was founded on and godly values expressed in the Declaration of Independence, worked out in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So I don't take for granted the country that we live in, that it's a free country. You know, I believe it's a really a huge miracle that our country is even still in existence. You know, I believe that a couple of different world wars could have made our country a very different place, right? I look at, even recently, was it last year, that missile scare, remember? Let's go back and just make believe that that wasn't a scare, but it really happened, right? Let's not take for granted that we live in the country that we live in. 
They say democracy is fragile. And every generation here in our country, we have to do what it takes to continue to have a free, to have a, a godly country. God wants us to remember, especially as a church, as his church, to return every time to the foundations that our country is built upon, the Bible and those founding documents, to, to remember our founding fathers were inspired by Jesus Christ. Hey, don't be ashamed of that. Be proud of it, because it's the truth. Number one, give careful thought. Amen? Think about it to the foundation you build your life upon. This is an example of a foundation our country has built our, is built upon. What about us? What about your lives? What is the foundation you are building your life upon? Have you thought much about it? Have you thought about it at all? What are you building upon? God wants to build something in your life that is amazing and beautiful like a shining city on a hill for everyone else to see and be blessed. Consider the foundation that you're building your life upon. You can ask yourself a few questions. You can ask yourself, where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my talent? Where do I spend my treasure? Those are some great questions. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, remember we talked about that a few times ago, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We seek first God's kingdom. We seek first what he wants us to do. We keep focused on him Keep focused on what God has called us to do. Build the foundation in your life on the right things, on your relationship with Jesus Christ, on being in the word, being in the word of God so he can speak to you. Cultivate that life of prayer. That's cultivating your relationship with God. You know, careful thought, thinking about how God's people were building the temple, Instead, they lost track and they started building up their own lives and forget, forgot about God. In actuality, their hearts were becoming hardened. Their hearts were becoming astray from God. And when that happens, God has to go to, and he will go to great lengths to bring you back. In fact, there's no place you can go. God won't go and try and get you back. And that leads us to point two. Number two, watch out. Watch out. God will tear down anything in our lives keeping us from him. You know, like a walking around on a, uh, some kind of a construction zone. You know, you've got to have your hard, uh, hard hat on and you're walking around and you're, watch out, be careful, things are coming down, we're tearing things down. You know, after our time in Washington, D.C., Miley and I, we left the group, they came back to Hawaii and we met Vanessa, Cruz, and Skye in uh, New York City. We were visiting her father. Vanessa's dad lives in the city. And, you know, we had never been there. We'd been married 15 years. And she hadn't been back since. And we got to play tourists there. 
uh, with, with uh, her dad leading the way, and we saw all the cool things. We went to the Statue of Liberty, or I call her Miss America. You know, Miss America is so beautiful. It was really cool to see her. She's still out there standing strong, looking good. And uh, it was cold, though. We were on that ferry. I was freezing. And uh, we uh, went to Cat's Deli. Anybody ever been to Cat's Deli? Oh, all the foodies out there. Michelle, you know, it was like, wow, Cat's Deli was awesome. How big are those pastrami sandwiches? So good. And... Uh, you know, we, we did the whole um, deli thing, and, the, you know, we, we went and saw a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we went to the 9-11 memorial. One of the last things we did there, and this for me it was one thing I really was looking forward to and wanting to do. And so we were there, and we gathered around, and you see the picture of our kids looking out at the memorial. And they have all the names and the plaques around and then they have these waterfalls going down, then a deeper waterfall going down. And you know, they, at both of the sites where the Twin Towers stood, so they have two of those. And we're there, and I was really surprised that our family and even our children, they, they were really touched. My wife was crying, and you know, we, we stood there, and we stopped, and we prayed together. We were praying that, you know, God... Please bless these families that have gone through this terrible tragedy and over 3,000 people were murdered. And, you know, please help our nation that we wouldn't ever have to experience something as horrific as this again. Please protect us, God. And so we went up because we wanted to go up one of these big um, buildings in New York. So we said, we're here. Let's just go up this one. And uh, we... Went 102 stories up, and I was looking down. There's a picture. Looking up, I'm like, "Wow, this thing is crazy!" I went to the foot of the building, and I'm looking up, and it just seemed like it was reaching out to the heavens. I don't know if we have the next slide. We can. Oh, sorry. The go back to, yeah, that one. I mean, I'm just like right there at the beginning. Whoa, this is so crazy! And we go all the way to the top. And it's 102 floors up, and they show you video. And the video comes on, and it's like the, about New York and the new uh, One World Trade Center. And as we're up there, they lift up the screens, and when they do the reveal, you're looking out at the cityscape. You're like, everyone goes, oh, it's awesome. The lady next to me bursts out in tears, crying. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. It's so crazy. Like, she... She's really digging this. Anyway, we was like, we're looking over and you kind of stand against the glass and you kind of get a little nervous, right? And you look out and you see the harbor and you can see forever. It's just so cool. And so we were blown away, came down, and I talked to Vanessa and they wanted to get um, Shake Shack. So they went and got Shake Shack. And I said, you know what, guys, I got to go to this church does anyone want to come and pray with dad? <laughs> no, thanks. We want Shake Shack. I thought so. <laughs> Shake Shack's pretty good. I like the in and out and stuff better. But uh, anyway, I, I, I went to this church. It's called St. Paul's Chapel. It's directly across the street from the World Trade Centers. St. Paul's Chapel is the most, one of the most important places in our country's history. 
This is the place where George Washington, after he was inaugurated, they didn't have Washington, D.C. yet. He was inaugurated right up the street at the old city hall in New York. Came down after first inauguration. They walked down. It's like a 10-minute walk to this small chapel. All of Congress came. They said that they got on their knees, George Washington, and he prayed for our country. Let me read to you this account. It's from uh, the Alliance for Religious Freedom. I found it. On April 30th, 1789, America had a constitution and a newly formed government. On that day, the government, the House, and the Senate gathered for the inauguration of our first president, George Washington. In his inauguration address, Washington gave a prophetic warning. He said this, We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and the right which heaven itself has ordained. Washington's warning was, if we would begin to depart from God, he would remove his blessings, his prosperity, and his protections from our nation. After Washington's address, the government, the House, the Senate, and America's first president traveled on foot to St. Paul's Chapel. No one knows exactly what was said inside, but we do know the entire government was on their knees praying and consecrating this nation to God. In this chapel, there is also a plaque above Washington's pew with the words, Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that you will keep the United States in holy protection. St. Paul's Chapel is located at the corner of Ground Zero and is the spiritual birthplace of America. Would you say this chapel is pretty important? Yeah, how many of us knew about this? It's so crazy. Anyway, I, saw, I took my appeal to heaven flag. Don't we all have that appeal to heaven flag in our back pocket? <laughs> and I took the appeal to heaven flag. This is the revolutionary's flag. This is Washington's flag. Dude, we don't know what flag to have. What are we going to make? Let's say we need God to defeat the British. It's going to take a major miracle. Let's appeal to heaven with this tree pointing up to heaven. Okay, that's our flag. They went on to have other flags. But we took the appeal to heaven flag and just set it up here like a crazy person. People walk looking at me like, uh-oh, we got a cold red here. We got a <laughs> I think there were a few Secret Service people kind of staring at me. Anyway, but, you know, groups and stuff kind of looking at me, but I didn't care. Sit it up, I sit down, and I'm appealing to heaven on our nation's behalf. You look directly across the street from my little bench. I turned around. You see the new World Trade Center's tower where the two towers stood. In fact, when the towers came down that day, it was a miracle that this church wasn't crushed. They don't know how this church even is still standing. The original place where the two t towers were was actually church land. So we're asking... Please, God, protect our country. Help us to turn back to you. And I'm sitting there on the bench, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking about different questions. You know, how could these two towers come down? Why did these two towers come down? What is God trying to say to us through this terrible tragedy? Have we learned any lessons since? You know, I believe... The Bible says God will allow us to go through certain things, some terrible things in our lives. 
and I believe 9-11 is one of them. Not to say that God did it, but sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives. Why? Because he loves us so much that he wants us to return to him. When our hearts get far from him, and when we get off course, God will do whatever it takes to bring us back. You know, I was thinking about the week after, the days after 9-11 happened. And remember our Congress came out and they sang, I think it was God Bless America, on the steps of the Capitol. I remember when people were coming to churches, like our churches were like filled. We had all these new people and visitors and everything. And I remember people were really honestly asking God for help and protection of our nation. What happened to all that? Where did that go? Have we gotten closer? Have we returned to Jesus Christ as a nation? Or have we actually gotten further? Let's pray. Let's appeal to heaven that we would turn back as a country. And same thing for our lives. Church, we have to return to Jesus Christ as our foundation. Get in the word of God. Speak to God. Pour out your heart. Let God work on your heart. Make sure that it's all his. Haggai 2, verse 16. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the works of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. That's what God was doing to his people in Jerusalem. His chosen people who he loved. Nothing was working. They're questioning God. They're working harder than ever before. And they're saying, oh no, we're trying our best. But what's happening, God? We're going backwards. Why? Their hearts weren't in it. Have you ever been doing stuff for God? Or doing things? You, you really know it's the right thing to do, but you're doing it with the wrong heart. Your heart's not in it. That's what was happening. You know, God had already taken the north into captivity in Assyria. He, now he was allowing the south to be overthrown, the temple to be wiped out. And they come back by God's grace and mercy, and now nothing's working. It's all going wrong. I'm always amazed at the great length God will go to just to get my alignment back straight with him. Just to get my heart straight with him. Why? God will shame me. He will make me low to the ground. He will humble me. Just as soon as I start thinking, oh yeah, you know, I'm doing this pretty good. I got things real straight. You know, I'm, I'm all that. God will just level me. I'm humiliated. I'm like just flat on the ground like a big Mack truck just runs over me, then reverses back and just keeps doing this. And you know, I just feel like so flat. And you know, that's the place where you want to be. That's where a place where God has your heart. You have to be just ready to be able to say, God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to just be low and flat. And I'm going to just connect with you so I don't have to get Mack trucked. It's better, right? That's way better. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. 
The grace of God has given me. By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. This is Paul. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation, guys. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Why? Because the day will bring it to light. Bring it into light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. One day when we get to heaven, we'll see the foundation of what we'll be, we built our lives upon. One day, if we build our lives on a bunch of junk or religi- religiosity and stuff we think is really good for God, but you know what? Our heart's not in it. We're not doing it on the foundation of Jesus Christ alone. Oh, it's going to be laid bare. But we'll still make it to heaven, the Bible says. We'll still be there. But it'll be exposed. It'll be brought into the light. Verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? You are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. The spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in us. Wow. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and holy and you together are that temple. He lives in us. We are God's temple and he's building something amazing in our lives. Whatever is not supposed to be in there, he's going to get out. He wants to get out and remove because it's a holy temple. And he will go to great lengths to remove it, even if it hurts. That's number two. Number three, finishing up our last point, don't do it yourself. Hire God, the master builder, to build your life on Jesus Christ. If I were to try to build my own home, that thing would be a cardboard box. It would be terrible. I, I have no building skills. I got to hire like the best contractor or one I can afford. Somebody who knows what they're doing (laughs) has any clue because I don't. Don't do it yourself. Hire God. He's the master builder and he's going to build your life in the right way on Jesus Christ. Is God doing some construction work in your life right now? If you say no, then think again. Because nobody is perfect and everyone needs home improvement. So if you say no, we really got to look deep within and you say, God's probably started a process in me. He's probably speaking to me through his Holy Spirit and it's called sanctification. God will not stop the work in you until that day comes when you meet Jesus face to face. And his work is to make you look more like his son, Jesus. That's sanctification. We're saved, and then he starts us on this process of helping us to become more and more like Jesus until the day that we meet him. What is it that God is doing in you? It's okay to admit that you need God's help. It's okay to say, you know what, God, I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm far from it. Some of us might be having to say, God, my life is out of control. The Christian life only works when we're honest and transparent before him and lay down and get wrecked by God. But you know what? When we're flat on the ground, he doesn't leave us there. God will take us just where we are, but he loves us so much he doesn't leave us there. He picks us back up and he builds something in our lives. 
and he makes it into something beautiful. So stop trying to do it all by yourself or do better or try harder. Just get out of the way and let the master builder take over and build what he builds. It's only by God's grace. Finishing up Haggai verse, chapter 2, verse 18. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. Nothing's working. But check this out, guys. The statement of grace right here. From this day on, I will bless you. Did God's people deserve it? Did they earn it? No. Haggai pointed them in the right direction. God had grace. And they're like, okay. God's going God's gonna to do it. This is a statement of grace. You know, by his grace, they were able to finish building the second temple not too long later. That's awesome, right? They actually did it. They actually worked on it, and it was completed, and it was awesome. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus is the foundation which we build our lives upon and he's also the cornerstone which we build our lives around. Amen? You are God's special person. We are God's special people in the church. We have been called into the light. We have been given grace and mercy, and not just to keep it to ourselves, but to share that with the whole world, to be a shining city on a hill. We are God's temple, and he's looking to build something beautiful in you and through you. Amen? Can we stand? Remember Jesus, when he was on earth, what was his uh, trade? He was a carpenter. It's pretty awesome, huh? He knew how to build things. You know, his dad taught taught him that. And he's building his kingdom here on earth. His kingdom of God coming to earth. And he includes us to be co-partners with him in the building process. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. 
For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Don't receive God's grace in vain, guys. Right now is the time to say, you know what, I'm going to build my life on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If there's anybody here who would like to be a co-worker with Christ in building his kingdom of God on earth, that he would just say yes to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, in your heart, you can tell him, I want to build with you. I want to partner with you. You're the master builder. I want to build your kingdom. The time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If there's anybody here who needs to recommit their lives, or maybe even for the very first time, commit to Jesus Christ as the foundation of their life, that they would just say, thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for me, taking my sin upon yourself, the sins of the whole world. I repent. That means I turn the other way, God, by your strength and power. And I just say, Lord, I receive your grace and forgiveness and love today. I want you to be the foundation and the cornerstone of my life. We thank you, Lord God, that you have a plan for our lives. You have a plan for our nation. And Lord, you have a plan for the whole world. Why? Because you love us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.